When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help. Hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode about um, conflicts in healthy relationships, or it's not about you. So this is a uh, an episode to listen to if you are um, in a relationship with somebody who you know is a good partner, who you trust, and maybe you're having lots of conflicts with them, or you're not in a good stage of your relationship. Um, it's to, it's to either deal with that or also to look at yourself, like to ask, maybe I can be a better partner in my relationship. Um, but just a big caveat, this is not an excuse to stay in an unhealthy relationship. So the first and foremost, most important thing is to choose right. And if you are with the right person and you're with a person you trust who has your best interests at heart, who is capable of being in a healthy relationship, this is something you can use in that kind of relationship. Um, and the backstory behind this one, one of my favorite subjects I learned about in school was systems theory, which is a super old school um, theory in how we interpret dynamics within relationships, including how we develop disorder. Um, and But it, for me, it made so much sense. And it's basically how we explain the inner workings of relationships in that different people will release pressure or vent their issues through other people. And so often, if we cannot confront certain things about ourselves or deal with negative feelings uh, that maybe we can't even consciously confront, um, we will often vent that through pushing somebody else's buttons or having them release it for us. It's kind of a weird idea, but often people are completely ignorant to their own inner workings or inner happenings, and they will be acting out onto somebody else and they won't even understand why they're doing it. So part of the reason I'm doing this episode is to remind you that if that is happening, don't take it personally. I know something that I tend to do is make the emotions of others about me or my fault. And when that happens, I get overwhelmed and I feel panicked. Like, how do I fix this? How can I help them? When in reality, 
if I could just get past that feeling of panic and self-soothe and step back far enough to see, A, they are going through their own shit and that is not, it is on them, not on me. Um, and that all I really need to do is do me and B, the situation is not as dire as my body is telling me, um, then that issue is actually not an issue at all. It usually evaporates and it takes no joy away from my life and my relationship. So my point being how we react is a huge piece of the puzzle when it comes to relationship conflicts. And it's the difference between getting into a kind of a reactive loop with somebody or maybe having a great rest of your day. So that's the goal here. And with all my episodes, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Well, there are lots of unconscious processes that occur in individuals and they show up in our relationships and especially with intimate relationships. And that is because that person is almost a a mirror, a physical mirror of sorts in that they're bouncing things back to you in the form, form of reactions. And oftentimes when something in us is like very subterranean and when we can't see that thing or we don't understand it, we will often use a partner to kind of vent pressure. And sometimes that's because it's something in us that we cannot confront, we, we cannot face, um, or it's something that it's it, we see it as somehow related to our partner. We see it as because of them or um, we'll project it onto them, like it's them creating the feeling in us. So when we act out in relationships, often it's, from another place. And in many cases, it's something that's uh, uncomfortable or inconvenient to bring up in our relationships. So sometimes it is conscious, but we don't know how to confront it or we don't know how to talk about it. And so we'll pick fights. You know, it's not a mature thing to do, but a lot of people do it. And especially if you've been uh, isolated with somebody during a pandemic, I mean, there there's a lot of pressure that builds up and stress needs to find a way out. So imagine, um, you can imagine like if one person is stewing and feeling frustrated or more likely they're feeling extremely insecure and they're kind of looking at the other person, they're trying to find this pressure release button. Like, is this an easy way? What about this way? Maybe I can pick a fight about this. So it's almost like you can see these kind of build up, this build up process happening. And, um, And then there's a reactive process that also catalyzes more of that often, especially if you're cohabitating with somebody. So all of these things are happening in, in such complicated ways. Like there's such a intricate reactive dance and there's also, you know, misinterpretation of different people's cues, especially because we all grow up in different life stories. So we might have a completely different library of what this action means and what that action means and what that action means. So we're interpreting other people based on our particular love map. And then that person's interpreting us based on their love map. So all sorts of stews can occur. Um, and so a lot of what fights are, are pressure, uh, each person trying to figure out a way to release pressure, which brings me to part two, the why. Well, we handle the feelings 
of our partner when that partner cannot handle them on their own or that partner cannot tolerate the feeling. For example, if your partner is very insecure or they fear being left, um, they might make you act out the reinstatement of security. So for example, they might push you to make you declare overtly that you cannot live without them or you fear not being with them. So for example, they might act unhappy and distant as a way to trigger you to act out their feelings. So if your if your partner, for example, becomes really distant, then you might be overly sensitive and cling to them. And that is actually their feeling as insecurity. So however, a lot of the time, all of this stuff is happening totally unconsciously. So just I want you to take a mental note. Recognize if this is something you can see in yourself, like if you happen to do this. Um, and if it does happen, happen, it's the goal is to try and treat your, uh, teach yourself a healthier way to vent those feelings in a way that is healthier and like more supportive and more, it allows you guys to evolve as a couple. Um, also, if this is happening to you as a result of an unhappy partner, I want you to be able to put it in the right context because sometimes it'll, it can feel really hurtful and injurious to us if a partner is doing something like this to us. Also, if we get into a reactive state, often what this does is it catalyzes loops of fighting or loops of fear and clinginess that then make the other person push away harder. So it's, it catalyzes more of itself. And I think in general, it's important to try and avoid these types of things, um, including venting onto a partner or complaining because just like anything else it's it becomes a habit but if you happen to be dealing with a partner who is venting or you haven't noticed that you you and your partner are fighting more often it can be confusing and it can be difficult to navigate safely out of that habit without exacerbating uh, the situation and I would say the nature of relationships is they are long therefore they will include conflict and just dealing with life. It's, you know, it's two individuals that are going through a lot of ups and downs, including all the feelings we have about ourselves. So fighting or venting is a process that results from just the shit that we feel in our lives. A lot of the time it's like we are using a partner to support ourselves. And if both people are kept healthy and strong enough, that can be a process that doesn't take both people down. It can mean that one person stays strong for the other person and then that person's allowed to be weak and then the next time the other person's allowed to be weak. Successful relationships are really about the most common experience being a positive one versus the most common experience being a negative one. And it's important to make, make sure you keep your eye on that trend. What is the most consistent memory I have of this experience together? Is it, a, is it one full of conflict and stress and feeling threatened and hiding on my side? Or is it one of feeling safe, relaxed, loved, supported, and light and laughing and having fun? So it's really that simple. It's like, what is the broad stroke takeaway I have of this relationship? What does it mean in my mind's eye when I squint? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? And if we start to notice the balance is being tipped in the wrong direction, what we can do is take small actions in order to correct. 
And oftentimes when we're not able to correct organically, it's because we've gotten into a loop or a reactive rhythm that catalyzes a misunderstanding and a misunderstanding. We're both going into a fear state where we're contracting and starting to yank in opposite directions. We have to restore the balance and restore the state of happiness and equanimity. So if there is a long period of annoyance and personal frustration, that pressure can show up and cause, you know, want a release in the relationship. And when both people are taxed, there's not that opportunity for the restoration. So it will feel like, you know, you can see it as like almost a climate and the soil gets drier and drier. So I want you to notice if that's happening for you and start to bring as much energy of bounty as you can, or, or put that in your mind's eye as a goal is to restore that balance and that baseline to its fruitful state. I also want you to just notice if you're the one that's taking too much shit from your partner, that, um, this is a process that can be reset and renegotiated and the contract can be in re- reinstated when you approach it from a whole and grounded place. That, that process can be reset. There, you can take on a new healthy stance and you can have new healthier boundaries and ways of reacting that do not engage, but instead almost like a sidestep, you know, it's like a, if you're in a bar fight and you take a sidestep, that fist goes through a window, but you're still calm and standing up straight. And that is how I use the bar fight reference, but it's, it's really a way for you to create more openness and a shift to occur for an energy shift to occur. And with that more love can re-enter the relationship more of what is, um, not pulling, but more gifting that energy can change and you can resume, um, the exchanging of gifts stage versus the pulling and see me, see me stage, which brings me to part three, the how the tools. So I have tools in all different areas related to this topic in this one. Um, okay. The first one's called your body is a map. So if we get into a fear state of clinging and becoming overly reactive to a partner or overly sensitive to their feelings, as often happens, if you are isolated with somebody for over a year, or you have a history of codependency, then often what happens is it exacerbates more conflicts with your partners, with your partner. So I would use this as a tool or a visualization for those moments. Just look at your body as a map. So if you notice this fearful energy kind of in your belly, sometimes it's in our chest. If you notice that clingy energy, that's a sign you got to step back and ground because that state is where you are not sober from your reactivity habits. When we get, when we can get back to that relaxed, expansive, open state where we feel safe and grounded, that is where we will see the truth. That is where we will often recognize that there is no problem at all and nothing needs fixing and no one needs handholding. And the problem has actually evaporated. It was kind of a hallucination or we can see somebody else is in pain and they're frustrated and it's not our problem at all to deal with. It's just on us to move along and go do us. So just remember your body is a map. If you feel clingy, step back. 
The next tool is called Rainbow Energy. And this is for matching energy to energy. So this is a tool in the opposite direction. It's, um, it's very scary and uh, you're risking a lot to offer something of yourself to anybody including when somebody is in a committed relationship with you because you are in many ways the most vulnerable to them. So if your partner brings up something to you that comes from a genuine place, may that be creative energy or emotional energy, whatever it is, we must receive them by at least matching their energy because it can take a lot out of someone if we are not a conductor for that which lights them up for that which brings them alive. So if you chose a mate with the same energy as you, like in terms of your excitement for life, your enthusiasm for creating new things, you guys will catalyze each other times a million. You will become you know, exponentially bigger than you will be solo. However, if you are with a person who kills your energy, either with doubt or apathy or ambivalent, whatever it is, if you do not make, if they do not match you, this will dwindle your energy. It will dwindle your, your energy as a couple as well. So do not make that type of person the centerpiece of your life. So this is for a tool for you and also for you on your partner. So if that person brings up something to you that they are excited about or interested in, Sometimes that thing might feel small or stupid or insignificant. It's regardless though, it's important and worthwhile to at least match what they say to you energetically right back. Oh, that's cool. Yes. And blank. So if we were going to go back to systems theory on this one, you might find that sometimes your body physically does not want to match the energy and maybe it feels nice to, to poo-poo something because some part of you is craving distance or some part of you is relieved by the fact that, you know, you can make them feel as down and cranky as you do, but maybe you don't know that on a conscious level. So this is just a, something to chew on. If you recognize, um, that you are feeling cranky and noticing that you're spreading that crankiness to your partner, just take note and realize that sucks and that is, that's not a loving thing to do. Even on a very small scale, it is not a loving thing to do. So in the moment, it's just about noticing that process happening in yourself if it is unconscious and saying, even if your body doesn't agree with it or your brain doesn't agree with it, saying the right thing in that moment and act in a, take a kind and loving action despite feeling in an opposite place. Because if we can do that, we can catalyze monumental change to occur in that day. We can catalyze a, a complete 180. If we're able to act from a place of love and just match that person's energy, that's fucking awesome. You should totally do that. Even if our body is not agreeing with that sentiment at that moment, the whole day can follow suit. Which brings me to the next tool, which is called ultimate 180 power. Um, this is a true thing that exists. Your partner has a, like a golden ticket that says ultimate 180 power. My husband possesses this powder. Powder. Why do I keep saying powder? My husband possesses this powder. 
I did it again. Power, and I constantly remind myself that it exists at all times. This power exists for you at all times as well. If you're in a stinking situation and you feel like things are just shitty between you and your partner, remind yourself quietly, this person has ultimate 180 power and so do I. And this is just reminding you when you have a tight connection to another person, you can feel a shift in their intentions as well. So much of our communication is done in a non, on a nonverbal level and on an energetic level. So it's all the more reason to change the course of your thoughts. So I should explain what 180 power is. You can change everything about your relationship in a single moment. Just one thing can alter the trajectory of all of your thoughts and feelings. You, we, we get into grooves energetically where we're dooming and glooming or we're feeling like resentful, whatever it is. One kind act, one moment that is shared and intimate, one beautiful act of love can alter all of it in a just a brief millisecond. All of it can change. You can completely bring back so much joy and love and closeness, unbeknownst to you. When you think there is, you know, no hope of that, it's always possible. It's always accessible. And I feel like every sound in the world has just turned on around me. <laughs> All right, the next tool is called pressure cooker release. I don't know if you have a pressure cooker. I highly recommend it. It's an amazing uh, tool to have in the kitchen. Great for making short ribs. Um, if, you if you've never used a pressure cooker, it's this pot that's got a lid that's like, you know, welded on. It will not open no matter what. And there's a tiny little colorful button at the top. And when there's, when you press it, steam is released from that pot. So it just barely releases just the right amount of steam so the pot does not explode. So this is just a way for you to reconceptualize fighting as it allows you to release. So another metaphor, this might be disgusting, <laughs> a zit. If a zit is very painful and it's popped, then you can feel healthy and normal, you know, pressure again. So just notice this is happening. If your partner is like trying to vent onto you and they have a lot of pressure inside, don't take it on as your shit. Just notice it notice that it's happening and feel free to press that button. Like boop, boop, boop. You're just pressing that button for them, allowing them to have a conduit for it to come out. But the goal is to just not take it in, allow it to spew, but don't take it in as about you or because of you in any shape or form. Talk it through. Don't suck it in. Um, another visualization that might be helpful is you can think of yourself like two amoebas. You cannot put your head into that person's fluid. Amoebas do not have heads, but imagine these do. So you're, don't just, don't pass those cell walls. It's just, it's on them. It's the inner workings of their body. Do not pass the cell walls. It's not about me. It's a separate thing happening inside of them. Just witness and calm your body. All right, the next tool is called pocket full of balls. So Gottman, uh, read, Google him and read all his books. Gottman talked about one of the main indicators of relationships that are, have longevity is one of the things they do is they have positive bids that the partners make and the bids are received. And by positive bids, you can think about that. Like we have pockets full of ping pong balls and we're constantly throwing out these ping pong balls at our partners and 
their little gifts of trying to connect. They're trying to engage in a positive way, trying to share a moment. And that partner will either catch it and reciprocate it, hit it back to you, or they won't. And the more times we can catch the ball and throw it back, the more uh, chance we have at building a healthy and strong and positive relationship. The baseline of that relationship will be overwhelmingly positive. So I would just notice that um, for yourself. How how often am I catching the ball and throwing it back? And how often am I ignoring it? Or how often am I um, attempting to throw it myself? And one way to think about this is you can notice how other people use uh, a format that they know is successful with you, like versus you might sometimes get annoyed by it, but notice the intention behind it. Um, For example, (laughs) I don't necessarily want to look like Angelina Jolie. I don't think I look like Angelina Jolie, but I, me and my husband were watching a movie with Angelina Jolie and he said I looked like her and I reacted positively to that comment. And now my husband uses it all the time. (laughs) But I can see that is a positive bid. It is a a tool in his brain to try and offer love. And that's one that's pretty easy to access even when your batteries are low. So I would say like, notice those things. Notice the intention. Are there positive bids? If there are, return in a positive form. Allow them to be successful in that moment. Throw that ball back. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Whatever it is, engage. All right, the next tool is called the organ that is true self (laughs) or the safety sphincter. Apologies for the grossness in this episode. I know I've been talking about poop lately too much. Apologies to don't want to gross you all out. This is a weird one. It's inspired because I was learning about potty training because of my son. So the main takeaway, I'll get through the poop part of this very quickly. The main takeaway is it takes a lot to feel safe and allow poop to come forth. <laughs> the sphincter is an organ that is very, like, okay, here's another, a better one. Um, an octopus. It's very, an octopus has to be very, feel very safe and trusting in order to engage and interact with a human being. But uh, anyway, the organ in our body that is our true self, I'm going to use that as a metaphor, the level of comfort that we need to have, to be able to let our true selves out is immense, especially when it comes to creativity and also intimacy and allowing ourselves to feel, um, free and express ourselves and also experience pleasure. So just think about that delicacy. It's this very sacred zone of safety and we have to curate and protect that space by developing uh, knowing by knowing yourself, by also knowing your partner, by seeing your partner. And it's almost like creating this, this floating safe zone that is equidistant to one another. Cause it's really easy to get into that place of contracting, of pulling, yanking backwards and staying in this, in the deficit where we both get into a state of deficit. But when you can come back into that energy of bounty and gifting and trust You get so much treasure out of that other person and also out of yourself, but also just out of your relationship, the experience of your relationship. So especially in a time when a lot of people are very depleted and both people get into that pulling zone of saying like, why don't you give more to me? Or why don't you see me? Or why don't you feel bad for me? 
we might feel like there's just not enough fun or joy or fruit or fertility for growth and shared joy. So that's, even though it feels like it's the opposite, it's the time when we must most deliberately foster it. We have to deliberately come back into that energy of gifting um, and kind of water the relationship, even when we feel tapped, um, even when we feel like we're just trying to survive. Because it's easy to get into that me-centric state of like, I've got to just, I've got to protect me, you know? So if you, if you are, what I'm saying about this organ of true self is translating, notice how you can build a sense of safety and um, yes, anding for those moments in your relationship to come forth. Like what are the conditions? What are the types of pastimes that allow you to foster that energy? Um, what is the, what are the circumstances? How can you build that little moment, that bubble? And what are the things you need to maintain to allow those, that energy to come forth? The next tool is called the two trees or uh, branches touch. This is a very personal one. So this is about loving from a safe and healthy distance. One of the rituals that I did in my wedding was to, or after my wedding, I should say, was we planted two seeds. I am the cypress seed and he is the oak seed. We basically found a beautiful spot by the coast and we planted two seeds that were representative of ourselves and we stood just so the tips of our fingers could touch. Uh, some of you might know this is a reference to the passage in the prophet, the book, the prophet. Anyway, I've used this metaphor in past episodes of this rubber band that you have to kind of keep around yourself and this other person, especially while you're dating. So I would say this is the next, this is the evolution of that tool. And that is about, you have to have enough distance so that you can both grow healthy but you just want to be able to come close enough so that you always have connection so that your fingertips can touch or your branches can touch. You don't want to come too close that you're growing together, but you also don't want to drift too far away. So when you're in a long-term relationship, it's really easy to get into that. Um, especially if you're experiencing conflicts, it's easy to get into that neutral zone style of distance where you're both trying to not upset the other person. Or you're trying not to say the wrong thing to the other person, but then you become kind of isolated from one another and you're kind of living on the surface. And that's, I think, a dangerous trend toward a lack of connection. So this is just a, a visualization. Encourage, I encourage you to just take the risk and strive toward a, throwing out a positive bid. You want to make sure you're still able to, to hold hands. You know, you, you still want to have that loving connection. You still want to have that overlap. It can be scary and hard, especially if you are a sensitive person, um, to reach out if you are in that state of distance from your partner. But oftentimes we have completely misinterpreted all of their actions and they have misinterpreted all of ours. So it becomes this vicious, vicious cycle of distance that catalyzes more distance. So if you're feel, if you feel like you're in that zone, just take a leap and throw out a positive bit, throw out that ping pong ball. Don't let distance become the norm because we have to maintain that tether to connection. We have to deliberately foster moments of love, moments of touch, moments of expressions of love. And that is how they know it's safe enough to love back. So I hope those all made sense. 
and I hope they're helpful. And um, before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Laura. Thank you so very much for your very generous donation. And Charles, thank you so very much for your donation. And anyone who has the means, donations are so helpful to this show. And if you do not, I appreciate reviews and any kind of sharing with anybody who it might help. All of that is very helpful to me. So in closing, I want you to thrive. I want you to be in a relationship that makes you happy. You know, a meadow cannot bloom all year round. It has to go through stages of regeneration. And know that when we get into that constricted place that comes with seeking safety, when we are living from, you know, a wound, the key is to seek that whole and full self. And when we can ground and come back to feeling whole, we can see that we actually have options. We can see that this is human and flexible and relatable. However, when we constrict, we tend toward martyrdom. We start saying things like, I have to, or I don't have a choice. So just take note, if you are, feel like you are in that energy of constricting, just double down on a bit of grounding this morning or this afternoon or this night and do some gentle self-rocking in the form of meditation or breathing and smiling. Maybe some yoga poses while smiling. And just try to think of your heart, your energy, and your mind as open and loving and bountiful. And what I'd like to leave you with is uh, the process of setting an intention for how you will relate to others and your partner and what you will see in your day. For me this morning, it was love, joy, um, focus, and also to thrive. So I will invite you to call that word to your mind, or if you have another one you prefer, invite you to pull that one in right now. Um, but invite that into your relationship. So if you could just close your eyes and envision that word, whatever it is, thriving, for example, and take a deep breath and smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.